You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. The Stanley Cup has been awarded. The NHL season is officially over, which means, Vardy, the Los Angeles Kings are tied for first place in the National Hockey League (laughs) right now. (laughs) How are you tonight, Vardy? Hope springs eternal, big guy. I am ready. I am rearing. It's my favorite time of the year. Right now, anything's possible, although I think we're pretty confident that the Kings winning a cup is as close as possible as you can get for next season. But hey, you know what? A team that was dead last in December just won their first ever Stanley Cup after 52 years of existence. Congratulations to Patrick Maroon and the St. Louis Blues. I had to throw it in there because I think they mentioned 45 times that he is indeed from St. Louis. Yeah, no, fantastic freaking story. Fantastic, fantastic story. Um, like you mentioned, dead last to to just an improbable Stanley Cup win. Outhouse with, to the penthouse, baby. That's right. With a with a rookie interim head coach, right? I don't think Peruby's ever ever been a head coach in the NHL. I'm not sure. I got to check on that. But all right, let's let's just go with that. It's a good he, narrative. He was a long it's shot. A good narrative. Kind of. Let's go with that. Um, and then. Uh, a rookie goaltender seemingly coming from nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and just everything gelling, man. Everything just coming together for our uh, 1967 brethren to get their names on the cup. And good for them because I don't think the world could tolerate three championships in Boston in <laughs> one year. So he – just to backtrack a bit – Craig Berube was the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers for two seasons, 2013-14 and 14-15. First year they made the playoffs. Um, next year they missed the playoffs. But crazy that it took them almost four years to get another shot at being mm-hmm. a coach. And here we are. I, I assume they're going to hire him. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think they already came around and they asked uh, they asked the GM and uh, Doug Armstrong and they're like, so we're assuming the interim tag is uh, coming off of Barubi's title. And he's like, that's a strong bet, strong <laughs> bet that's happening. <laughs> right. Um, right. I think the real story here, um, obviously, is Jordan Bennington. And even I think early on when we were doing our preseason previews and whatnot, the biggest question we had was whether or not Jake Allen had the the marbles in his brain to hold it all together to to be a good goaltender for them and the answer is no no <laughs> and and so they had no choice but to turn to an android type emotionless mm-hmm. robot thing mm-hmm. have you seen jordan bennington's the on cam when like the overhead cam of him celeb- <laughs> like the overtime winners the blue score throughout the playoffs and he just kind of shuffles his feet and yeah. skates. so he just doesn't care i love i love that that's why i kind of like Kawhi leonard by the way congratulations <laughs> to the also. toronto raptors for winning the nba title that's right uh, i guess it's uh, it's it's maple leafs time because the blue jays won a couple in the 90s yeah, the Raptors just won theirs. The pressure's on, boys. The, the pressure's the, on. The tweets from the Maple Leafs fans are, or at least, you know, mocking the Maple Leafs are fantastic already. About like, huh? I guess they're finally going to use that parade route and stuff like that. All valid. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite tweet. I'm sorry, I have to throw this out there. Comes from 
probably one of the funniest guys in the NHL in Roberto Luongo, um, who just tweeted out, Kawhi Leonard's already downloading Netflix movies for the flight home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Strong bone. I do do like the type of superstar Kawhi Leonard is. He's, He's like every NHL superstar, basically, just quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, collected doesn't really like the media. Answers questions very simply. So I I do have a lot of respect for that for that guy. But did you see the St. Louis Blues better who in January bet four hundred dollars mm-hmm. on the St. Louis Blues to win the Stanley Cup at two fifty to one? Brilliant. And he is now. <laughs> Has has anyone checked his backyard for a DeLorean or perhaps a sports almanac? Yeah, he is now the proud owner of a hundred thousand United States dollars. The best story about that is that uh, a bunch of betting sites tried to get him to um, to basically sell the, sell ticket, the ticket and kind of, Cash yeah, out. like coffin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you know, quit while you're ahead, and they were offering him like seventy five grand eighty for a ticket that might like pay out a hundred grand and he was like no i'm just gonna go with it mm-hmm. and look at that guy who's laughing now laughing all the way to the bank that's you know i don't you know i you know i don't condone gambling vardy i would <laughs> never bet on sports come on uh, but good for him good story all around and good for them ryan o'reilly winning the consmith which a bit of a dark horse candidate i would say a little bit yep Yep, but I mean, you gotta you gotta give credit where it's due. The guy scored in four straight Stanley Cup final games, and uh, I mean, truly, I, I I don't think they would win it without him. No, but any, anytime you equal a Wayne Gretzky record, yeah, yeah, you're doing well. Which is <laughs> odds are decent. Four goals in the Stanley Cup final, right? And I think sometimes sometimes it gets to be sort of like the story the whole way through was Rask versus Bennington, Rask, Bennington, Rask, Bennington the whole way through. And so people sometimes get tired of that narrative, I guess. And maybe it opens up the door a bit for someone like Ryan O'Reilly to step in and do something, you know, special when it counts the most. And then, cause I think a lot of people were ready to give it to, to Rask and maybe there's again, that thought process of, do you really want to give it to the guy from the losing team rightly or wrongly? Um, Especially when he, you know, loses four one in the final game. Yeah. It was a four one or five one, I forget what the final score was, but um he let in four goals and so it just you know I'm not upset about it. That doesn't really bother me no, at all. I, I think he's really, yeah. I mean we've seen it ourselves as Kings fans the year Justin yeah. Williams got it. This was very much a Justin Williams like award for right. O'Reilly because you know, that year Kopitar led the play well, both times <laughs> Kopitar led right. the playoffs in scoring and Dowdy had such a good run, but you kinda went right. with the guy who was the most clutch, who scored maybe the most important goals. Yeah. And I think that's that was the case, which is fine, whatever. Yeah. Good for yeah. him. He deserves it. He's been in the league a long time, always liked his game. Mm-hmm. I don't think he anyone ever really viewed him as a number one center. And in many ways people might still not view him mm-hmm. that way, but he's He's pretty close, man. He's pretty close for everything he's able to do. He's the he's the new uh, quote unquote new NHL number one center, the guy that could do everything. Right, right, all around. Yeah, um, every situation. Presence. 
just an absolute assassin in the in the face-off circle. Like I was, it's as someone who plays center, it's really fun to watch a guy like him and just the different techniques he uses to consistently win face-offs. It's very impressive. And not to say that Kopitar, Bergeron, guys like that don't do it, but it's just—it's not just a, a hand and stick. I mean, every part of the body is utilized to to win a face-off draw. It's very fun. Correct. It's very Correct. fun to watch. So um, yeah, good for Ryan O'Reilly and mm-hmm. good for the goaltenders. They had a terrific playoff series, obviously playoff yeah. run, and goaltending is important. And that's why we got to talk about Dusty Emuvardi and his mm-hmm. his departure from the LA Kings staff. Happy trails to Dusty Emu, who is going to the coldest place in the world, it sounds like, <laughs> just from the name of it, in the KHL. Um, no matter how you kind of chalk it up, it is a significant loss for the Kings when you consider how much he's been able to do for the AHL goaltenders there. He's responsible for so much of Cal Peterson's development. He's responsible for kind of the resurrection of Peter Budai. He worked wonders with Jack Campbell, who will likely, right. you know, be on the team next year uh so it, it's it's kind of a tough loss but at the same time i kind of saw some overreactions on twitter like the world is over <laughs> the king's goaltending you know dynasty is crumbling before our feet it's very odd very odd reactions all around yeah i mean i i tweeted something out and i was a bit hyperbolic and i was corrected by uh by one of our followers in terms of how how long he'd actually been around. I just felt like, I guess he'd been around cause I'd been hearing his name so damn much. Um, and it wasn't meant to be like, Oh my God, it's over. It's all over. Cause as, as far as I'm concerned, as long as Bill Ranford is, is around, we're going to be okay. He's the but, one that's been yeah, around. Yeah. That would be yeah. a severe, <laughs> yeah, more severe. That blow. would be, that would be. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, just thinking back to some of the interviews, I remember initially when Jack Campbell, kind of started playing some more regular games with the Kings and, and even when he had some games with the rain um, and they were, they were interviewing about, you know, what was different. And he just kept bringing up Emu's style and how, how he had just kind of helped him rediscover his love for the game and mentally get into a better place than where he was initially early on in his career. Stuff like that, I think is, is, is nice to have in your farm system. And I don't know how much time Ranford gets to spend with these guys, in Ontario. And so that's, I think where the the aspect of it comes into play. Now, that being said, I think Campbell is pretty much an NHL player from here on out. Peterson, um, isn't too far off from that point either, but it's, I think for the next generation, potentially of NHL gold of, of Kings goaltending that might come around, you wonder who they're going to bring in to replace Emu and, and the presence that he had. Right. Down I, th- I mean, I think, or in my mind, it feels like whatever Emu was doing was kind of in the structure of what Bill Ranford was doing in sure. many ways, because they sure. are, there should be some alignment between what the Kings are doing and, and the Reign are doing. So I'm assuming whoever they bring in will still have a similar coaching and teaching style and developmental style. So I'm not too worried about it. But yeah, I mean, obviously, he did such a terrific job he was heralded in within the organization obviously outside because from all indications the way everyone reacted at, uh, outside of the king's organization was that this was a tremendous opportunity for him specifically because he'll be able to work i believe with the olympic team 
the Russian Olympic team, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if that's as I, I'm just not sure. I, this is just ignorance on my part, but I, I, I guess that's a better opportunity than possibly being a pro head coach in the United States. So good for him. Yeah, yeah. Recently, uh, Mayor John Hoven talked about how the Kings are working on deals for Adrian Kempe and Alex Iafalo. Uh Two-year deals rumored to be around 2.5 for each player. Mm-hmm. I don't know uh, how much analysis is going to go into this. It sounds okay. It sounds I'm okay good with to it. Me. It I'm, sounds I'm, about right. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with those numbers. They're manageable numbers. They give each player a couple of years to to show some signs of development. Um, and I think it's a reasonable number for both of those guys, truly. Yeah, it's, it's good. I think Ayafalo is on the right trajectory. Kempe has been more of a roller coaster ride, probably, mm-hmm. with the way he's been playing. So we'll see how it goes. It won't really affect anything either way. Uh, much is left to be seen about the Kings. I mean... I don't know, Marlo rumors and Artemi Panarin and which direction are the Kings going and Dion Phaneuf, will he be... All this is in the is like background noise right now and we haven't talked about any of it, I believe, because like it's all crazy, really. Right. Is it really worth touching on any of those insane points? Probably not, but I mean, that's that's out there. But I think for the most part, the Kings will be a young team and having these guys at these deals gives them an opportunity to i guess in many ways get a leadership role with a younger team so by the time these contracts expire maybe they'll have enough experience and have proven themselves enough where they become one of the more higher paid players on the team but that's left to be seen obviously yeah and i think just from some of the um interview notes from Robotai and them they don't seem like they're really looking to target anyone big in free agency i think the smart money is on letting the younger ones the younger players develop and letting the older ones kind of wither away on the vine like the finoffs of the world until until you can kind of reset and really know what you have and maybe give a couple of the guys in the pipeline who you think have a little more talent um, to come in and uh, bring some skill to the lineup. Cause I think that's what we're, we're lacking the most right now. We've got this like weird combination of um, pseudo speed, pseudo grit, um, tenacity, whatever you want to call it, but it just doesn't seem to really come together. I don't know how much young skill we really have. Can't be definitely shows flashes, but is not a consistent player in that sense. I don't think I follow is ever going to be that kind of a super talented guy. So I think you have to wait and see if maybe the Anderson Dolans of the world, the Akil Thomases of the world, God willing, the Gabe Velardis of the world ever actually make it into the lineup over the next couple of years and use this as an opportunity to kind of just reset things. Yeah, agreed. And, and just circling back a little bit to all that crazy Marlowe talk that we never really covered. Right. Um, did you see when uh, – I think I retweeted this when Elliot Friedman said – the Kings would take Marlowe if Toronto took Jeff Carter. And that, that was like their counter offer. I don't know if you saw this, but like Elliot Friedman said this on the radio mm. that that's why like the deal 
didn't happen. And, and my initial reaction was like, what a weird counter offer. Why would you, Toronto want Jeff w- Carter? <laughs> when they're, uh, first of all, it's very clear what Toronto is trying to do. They're trying to get money off the books. We've touched on this. Right. Um, so right. it, it was just weird. I want to bring it up in case you had somehow missed it, but this is the kind of nuttiness that goes on in the off season. And that's why we love it so much. <laughs> Our favorite times of the year. Um, Jeff Skinner Vardy, you saw his deal. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of spoke about it off the podcast, and, uh, and you said the difference between a Dowdy or Kopitar and a Jeff Skinner is roughly a Kyle Clifford, and mm-hmm. that's where these contracts are going right now. I, I think I know what you're going to say, but is <laughs> is Jeff Skinner worth nine million dollars? I mean, not right now, but... Or, or is it that yes right now and not in general? No, I, I think I think this is going along the same vein as, as the, the long-term deals that maybe even Jeff Carter signed way back when. That at the time, you looked at it and you're like, that's ridiculous, it's so much money, it's such a long time. But then you go three, four years down the line and then there comes along another guy who's the new Jeff Skinner of the world and he's making $11 million. A year, and you're like, wow! Now Jeff Skinner looks like he's a bargain. So I think that's that's kind of the the trend, you know. As the cap goes up, the the salary for what a guy like that is worth gets paid goes up as well. Yeah. So I mean, you have to ask yourself the question of, okay, so say Buffalo lets him walk, yeah, for whatever reason, you know, it's a million here, it's a million there. I mean, is Jeff Skinner really going to get less than $7 million on the market? That's about what he was getting paid this year, from what I recall. And he put up career-best numbers. So it's I, – I, when, I, when I said that and we had that conversation about like the difference is a, is a Kyle Clifford, um, it wasn't so much to make the point that, man – Kopitar and, and Drew Doughty are way are worth may, way more than Jeff Skinner, which they are. The point is more so to the people who are upset that Kopitar and Doughty got these contracts when they got them. Like, how are you possibly paying them this much? They're not right. worth it. But it's like this is this is the market. And if you wait a couple of years, what you feel like you've overpaid for now is going to be market value of a guy that level or below market value for a guy that level. Because say Kopitar was signing his contract this year instead of, you know, a year ago, you wouldn't get him for ten million. He'd look at you and go, Jeff Skinner's getting nine million. Why should I only take ten? Right. It's 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 the same logic. And so that's that's the part that like frustrates me about people who sit there and they say, like, don't pay your guys the money. Don't pay him. It's a million too much. It's two million too much. It's like, come on, man. Over the course of over the lifetime of this contract, is is that really gonna matter to you? Is it really going to matter if you can't sign a Kyle Clifford or a Trevor Lewis because you decided to keep, like, ostensibly a top three center in the history of your franchise? Yeah, and wait till the Panarin and Marner contracts come rolling oh, in. Dude. And, yeah, yeah, Panarin, what's he looking at now? He's got to be a double-digit figure. Oh, easily. Minimum. Easily. If, if, if Skinner and, and if is getting nine. About, right, and if we're talking about a team like Florida potentially going after him— Willing to throw money at him like this isn't a team that's just well if we could just squeeze him in somehow and we move this contract and that contract and maybe we can I mean Florida is ready to open up the pocketbook they've been setting things up to open up the pocketbook they're going to throw 
11 million eight years at him or something like that. No problem. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? They will have 21 million in cap space this summer. There you go. And then 35 million, I mean, potentially next summer. So it's not just, man, and if they get Bobrovsky too, it's gone right. like that. But they have all the pieces to just right. throw those guys in there and be like, all right, boys, let's make a run for it here with what right. we got. Now, so, that being said, you could always end up in a situation like Vegas where all of a sudden you go from having $60 million in cap room to being at the cap and trying to unload David Clarkson's buyout contract or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like it can happen very fast right. if you're, if you're going to play that game. But really that's not what I worry about with the Kings. The Kings have never been this like huge pursue crazy free agent kind of team ever, which is why we're all so – reactionary one way or the other when they signed Kovalchuk to the deal that they did. So I, I, I don't worry about that with the Kings. I never have felt that the Drew Doughty deals or the, or the Kopitar deals are overpayment for those players. And, you know, recent history is proving it right because now you've got guys like Jeff Skinner about to make pretty much Kopitar money. Yeah. Did you listen to Wayne Gretzky's podcast, Vardy? I did. And I have not, ladies and gentlemen. And Vardy mm. went out of his way to listen to Wayne Gretzky's podcast. For just a little back story, I'm a big podcast consumer. I, I Obviously, we're podcasters, so there's that. <laughs> uh, but we, <laughs> we, I do listen to my fair share of... Uh, I would say I have an eclectic <laughs> subscription list to what I listen right. to. It's and some combination of true murders, uh, economic talk, and <laughs> hockey. Hockey, movies, mm-hmm. a lot of murder. But <laughs> <laughs> Murder finds a way. I, I just wanted to ask you because in many ways I didn't want to listen to it because I could hear it in my head. You know what I mean? Like I could hear it already. Like I've listened, I've, I've heard Wayne Gretzky in interviews enough, and like documentaries on him, and all kinds of stuff. Like I know kind of the gist of where Wayne is willing to go, but but I would like your review on this very much. Um. So how about this? How about you tell me what you think the format of it is? The format. So yeah. Like, what do you what do you think? What do you think it was going to be like? Since you know. Since you have an idea of what you think it would be well, like, I'm curious well, what you think format it would be. format-wise, so it's called The Great One-on-One, correct? Mm-hmm. The Great One-on-One? Yes. So it sounds like it's a two-person podcast because Lord knows Wayne can't carry a podcast. Bless his heart. Is that right? Two-person in that it's Wayne and someone it's else? It's Wayne and someone else. Okay, yes. It's Wayne interviewing someone else. That's it. Right, and it's different people every time? Yes. And so far, I think there's four episodes. And they're, I'm assuming, hockey people? Yes. Okay, so it's Wayne Gretzky interviewing hockey people. Yes. That's the format, right? That's the format. Okay, so not surprising. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So let's hear it. Tell, tell me your thoughts. So, so there's four episodes so far, unless they've uploaded more that I haven't seen. But there's four episodes. Uh, the first episode is Luke actually uh then it's yeah then it's uh mark messier um martin st louis and tj oc so a bit of a drop off there if you're you're trending the uh guests um they're they're short each episode's short short? it's like 10 to 15 minutes each one that's it 
that's it. And I'm kind of curious how this was, how this all came about. It, I, I can't tell how much of this was Wayne approaching the NHL because it's, it's, it's officially an NHL podcast. Like it's not something he's doing independently it's mm. through the NHL. So I, I can't tell if it was like Wayne approached the NHL and said that I have an idea or if someone at the NHL thought it would be a great idea and they approached Wayne. It sounds like the either way, maybe. Either way, it is – you know, in theory, it sounds like it would be good because you take the guy who's the best player in the game and you have him interview four Stanley Cup winners, which is the other thing. Apparently, you have to be a Stanley Cup winner to be on, on his podcast. Oh, my God. Marcel Dion shafted again. <laughs> I'm sick of this. I mean, Dave Taylor might make it on now. There I don't know, if, it, I don't know if from Stanley a management standpoint – I don't know from a management standpoint if he's allowed or if you have well, to be a player. Dave Taylor did punch Wayne Gretzky directly in the face in the 80s, so maybe Wayne harbors <laughs> ill feelings about that still. Um, but yes, go on, please. Um, and so it's 10 to 15-minute episodes, and every episode is just Wayne asking the same questions about, can you tell the people what it's like to win the cup? Can you tell the people what it's like to play for the cup? Can you tell the people what it's like to go through a playoff run trying to win the See, cup? See, this is this is what I thought it was going to be, dude. I'm <laughs> serious. I, I it just God bless him. He's a generic guy. He's he's, the, he's, he's one of the greatest so athletes vanilla. of all time. It's but he, so yes, vanilla. he is the most vanilla guy. And quite frankly, his hosts are pretty. Van- I mean, his guests are pretty <laughs> vanilla too. So what are you going to get? Robitaille and Gretzky. <laughs> what are you going to get? Luke actually cracks a couple jokes. Luke Luke is the one trying to like make it more conversational. And Wayne is the one who just seems super stiff. Like, yeah, yeah. I would, I would say the most loose portion of it is when he's signing off with Luke and he – He's like farewell, mon ami. Like he he throws hey. a little like French into it, and I'm like, where the hell was that? Where Outside the hell was that the for the last twelve Wayne, minutes? I know. I wish he would ask just like random, like really interesting questions. Like Luke, serious question: What was it like playing with me? Yeah, like that's a more intriguing question. It would be, and then Luke would be like, "Hey, what was it like playing with me?" And then Wayne could be like, "Dude, all you have to do is put your stick on the ice." Let's be honest here. And and I could care less. <laughs> I could care less if they gave like your your like semi generic answers to those questions too, because you know what it was going to be like, right? Like, oh, you're the, you're the best passer I ever played with. Oh, you had to finish. You know, like you know where it's going. But it was just like, okay, the first episode I listened to and it was semi interesting because it was Luke and he's talking about, uh, you know, his cup run with Detroit. It's not he doesn't really mention much of the um the king's cup run that he had from an executive standpoint it's uh, all from a player's perspective in detroit nothing on 93 huh N- not really which was another disappointing thing that's pretty disappointing because i was like if there's one thing that you guys should be able to talk about is the the 93 run to the final right and and it's so interesting because for gretzky it was the last final he played in after winning four. And for Luke, it was the first final he played in. And then later went to win one, later went on to win one as a player and two as an executive. So right. it's kind of like the, it's it's like these opposing kind of feelings. Just that alone, that's a hell of a lot more interesting if they could just right. have that conversation. 
and I, and I don't want it to sound like there aren't aspects of it because, you know, they talk about playing at the forum and Luke talks about like having to Montreal forum that is. And Luke talks about like having to have all his family come in. Um, but it's like, and maybe this is just my bias as a Kings fan, but my interest in what it was like for Luke to win a cup with Detroit with a basically loaded all-star team is is not anywhere near my interest of what it was like to like <laughs> Unless he get said there. like Wayne it was super easy. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. I mean they lost like the first two games I guess in the in the first round against Vancouver and they had to like Yeah, they lost in the final know, game 1 to Carolina. A little right. bit of adversity so, here and there. So 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 those aspects of it are interesting but I don't know. It just it still just comes off as so vanilla. It comes off as so, you know, you've heard it once. Okay, it's Black cool. Luster, the second yeah. time you hear it, but it's like how many times can I hear someone tell me, "This is what you work for your whole life, and you're winning the cup, and you're thinking about your mom waking up at five a.m. to make you some eggs so you can go to practice." And I get it. Yeah, like it's it's the same. That aspect is the same for every player. Where it gets interesting is when they, again, unprompted by Wayne, just in the midst of conversation, these players start describing like specific things that might have happened in the locker room or during a prior game or this or that. Like those those little tidbits are interesting, but they're few and far between. That's and that's um, a hockey problem. So I don't right. I don't think we're dumping on Wayne too much here. I think that's a hockey problem, is that they're unwilling to like pull the curtain back just a little bit more just a little bit more and like really maybe tell a story that's unflattering you know maybe show yeah. that like hey man you know like there's a story of the 93 final that after uh the illegal stick that game game two the illegal stick and montreal tying it there's just little fragments of the story about how chaotic the king's locker room was between the third period and overtime and Kelly Rudy said it like one time in one interview and like that's all anyone's ever said. Like I would love to know what the mm -hmm. hell went on in there because mm -hmm. from everything I've seen and Kelly Rudy and I read it some other – is that the locker room and the tone of the team was like completely off and the, there was mm -hmm. yelling and – like I would love to hear like what right. went on in there. But they, right. they'd never say that. They would never be willing to say it where I think other sports are more than happy to be like, hey, man, yeah, there was – there was some little bit of darkness there. You know, it wasn't all just, hey, boys, let's go get him. It's okay, boys. Illegal stick, no problem. Let's get it back. I'm, that's not what happened. Now, do you think it's an unwillingness or do you think it's kind of a um, lack of understanding, perhaps, on their part of what is actually interesting these days to to fans and, like, I think what is – I, I mean, I know that, that there's a culture of secrecy somewhat. It's like the it's like the old school upper body, lower body injury culture so in stupid. a way. That's stupid too. <laughs> but Come I mean, on. do you think it's that, or do you think it's it's sincerely, you know, like they just don't understand that those are the tell us more about these details. Like I think you're it's, not you're I not betraying the trust of a locker room of thirty exactly. years ago by I, not telling us what, these details. I think it's this over. I don't know what to call it, but this over sanctity, this mm. like too much. No, this is like sacred guys. Like this is, mm -hmm. you know, we can't 
possibly tell you and, and i'm sure it's a cultural thing with hockey but the thing is like and this is a problem with all of sports is like sports aren't that sacred i've said this a hundred times it's, it's not it's it's entertaining as hell we love it i'll never stop loving it i respect the hell out of hockey it's the it's the greatest sport but i don't need to like think it's pristine and I, don't right. th- I don't need to think it's perfect because it's not i think the interesting stuff comes in when you show how imperfect situations can be or superstars can be like honestly up until like a few years ago did you hear a single thing that wayne gretzky did that anyone would say like hey man you know i don't agree with what wayne did there he was like this precious goddamn hockey treasure has anyone ever said that yet well, I mean, there was this a little – remember the Rick talk at the gambling thing and like this thing came out a little bit gotcha. years And his ago. wife having – yeah, okay. There's a little bit of that. Like that's the worst, right? Like that's the worst right. thing. Whereas like in the 90s, there was – when Michael Jordan was at his peak, like there was all kinds of, you know, stuff about Mike's gambling all out in the news. And like when his – unfortunately, his father passed away, there was all these things about his involvement with that and like – it got really dark and crazy, of course, and, and right. uh, uh, I'm not saying it's true, but, like, you saw that, hey, man, this guy's a superstar. He's the most recognizable athlete in the world, but he's also, like, a human being. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's the part that doesn't make any sense to me is that especially now with where rightly or wrongly social media and things like 30 for 30, all these documentaries that have been coming out that are kind of, like you said, pulling the curtain back on – a lot of sports, um, I'm not asking for them to come out and say like, oh yeah, you know, he was doing bumps of Coke in between periods. I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. No. But, but there's, but there's a general thing that you can do without naming names necessarily. And I think that chaotic locker room example that you gave is a good one to just describe and be like, we just weren't ready. We right. just we were lost not ready. Cool. Like, we lost our yeah, composure. Like, like we blamed like each other. Is, anything. Exactly. Anything, man. Exactly. Like stuff like that's just beautiful. And it's funny because Wayne himself has been a part of, you know, these discussions. Like the, the whole story of his trade from Edmonton to L.A. has been written and filmed and told about in so many ways. And every time you get these like extra details about like Peter Poglington and, you know, the, the money and how Edmonton reacted and then Bruce McNall it, like it's a whole it's all very very interesting you know flavor behind these stories that could be very blase if you wanted them to be and I just don't understand why they don't pick a better middle ground between bland and boring and just all access dirty cd underbelly of it all like exactly yeah. and, and another like just to give the robotai gretzky example like robotai and gretzky had serious heat oh, between yeah. them for a long time um luke did not appreciate certain things wayne did during his king's tenure and he was very public about that that is in the newspapers that is in the new york times during his time with the rangers and even before with his time with the kings robotai basically said that he felt gretzky forced him out of LA and that when they got back together in New York, there was this whole piece about how like it's water under the bridge and like it's public for it. Would it kill them (laughs) to be like, Hey man, I know it's awkward. I get it. I know no one wants to talk about it, but just a little bit of like, Oh, we were young, blah, blah, blah. Even that would be something cool. 
Right. Uh, like Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson, I think last year they did this face-to-face mm-hmm. interview, and they had a ton of heat too between them for a long time, and they like forgave each other and hugged and cried. I'm not saying do that. <laughs> Obviously, that's a bit much, but they had no issue saying, "Hey, man, like we were friends, we had this issue, and now we're good." Right. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. I would love yeah, to. Yeah. No, get no I agree. I agree. And again, just kind of coming back to to how we started this conversation like i don't know to me i'm all i'm all good with wayne interviewing someone and asking him what it's like to win the cup and can you tell us a little bit about that story but i just i need more than you think about fluff yeah <laughs> you know, fluffiness <laughs> you think about your dad getting up at the crack of dawn to, you know milk the cows and doing it like okay i get it we we know what it's like like I, I want to hear about what it was like to to have to swallow your pride and work with someone that you don't necessarily like as a person or something like, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's that's my review of it is it's okay. It's thankfully every episode is only 10 or 15 minutes, so they don't overstay their welcome. Yeah. But they're very generic. They're very generic. Yeah. Not surprised. Anyway. Yeah. I was curious about it. Obviously, guys, this has been a sparkling, sterling review of the podcast yeah. from the Bannerman. I'll be, you know what? I'll, I I will give one bit of credit, and not that this is an unknown story, but um, the TJ Oshi interview, he gets into a little bit more about his dad and his dad's Alzheimer's yeah. and yeah. and all that. Like that, that's a that's a great little tidbit, and right. how he how he, you know. He kind of broke up crying initially and was like, you know, my dad is here. He doesn't remember much these days. But um, but then he started talking about how his dad, even like days afterwards, he would forget certain things. But he was waking up in the morning and first time he'd, he'd see him for days afterwards, it'd be like, we got the cup, didn't we? And, you know, like yeah. stuff like that is just warms your heart a little bit. Yeah. That's the type of vanilla I can I can stand. Yeah, it has a little bit of syrup on it we could deal with that <laughs> a little french vanilla that's <laughs> there you go um we promised you guys that we were going to talk about the draft we promised you guys a draft preview episode and here we are baby oh boy episode 41 we're gonna get into coming out of nowhere the king's <laughs> options in this draft at uh number five and then one in the 20s that i can't for the life of me, ever remember where that pick is? Is it uh, 22 21. or 21? I think cool. it's 21. So 5 and 21 in the first round. Nope, 22. You were right. Damn hey, it. Sorry. I was right. Don't correct me next time. Sorry. <laughs> 5 and 22. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Very interesting developments in the draft rankings, Vardy. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to I think this is the player you want to talk about. So I'm going to let you talk about this player the player who's probably shot up the rankings the fastest right and this was the worst part is because i teased this two weeks ago thinking like not that he's a completely off the board player but you know he wasn't amongst the (laughs) right uh you know surefire top five picks and then somehow within the last two weeks alone (laughs) It's the only name that I seem seem to see coming up, and that's Cole Caulfield. Yeah, now he would have to drop to five. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now there's like Cole top three in this draft: Bob R, <laughs> Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, and Cole Caulfield. No, it's not that. It's not to that level. But um, for example, Craig Buttons, um, 
latest mock yeah. draft yeah. has him as as our pick at number five. He goes um, Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, and uh, Bowen Byram going to the Hawks, which is something that I've kind of heard almost consensus mm. at this point is that is that Bowen Byram might go to the Hawks. Um, not really sure where necessarily how reliable that information is, but I've seen this now in multiple places, so they must be picking it up from somewhere. Um, that being said, some of the uh, scuttlebutt from people who are a little closer to the Kings, specifically with like Mayer, um, has been that the Kings are very high on uh, Kirby Dodge. I can't. I'm not sure if it's pronounced Dodge or Doc. It's like, Doc. Doc. That's what I thought. Doc. So yeah. Kirby Doc is someone that the Kings are very high on. Uh, he's a center right wing out of the WHL. Big kid, 6'4", 200 pounds, just your prototypical two-way kind of center that um, very high hockey IQ, right. that kind of player that just oozes LA Kings off of him. Um, and I'm okay with that because there's three or four guys like that. Apparently, if you're depending on who's left after the avalanche pick, right? So there's yes. the Alex Turcotts of the world. There's Trevor Zegras, um, uh, Peyton Krebs. I've seen kind of creeping up there sometimes Dylan Cozens, all these names, right? They're interchangeable depending on whose ranking you're looking at. But that's also kind of the problem for me, right? All of these guys, I'm not saying they're bad players. I'm not saying I, 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 there's no way I could have possibly seen enough of them to judge one or the other. But the one thing that I hear about over and over and over again is that Cole Caulfield has the purest shot out of any player to have come through the national development program. And yep. think about some of the players who have come through that freaking program. Yeah. Okay. Jack Eichel comes to mind. Jack Eichel, Phil Kessel, Patrick Kane, all these guys. Well, no, Patrick Kane was uh, London Knights, but I'm not sure if he actually played for the National Development Program. But there's there's a ton of guys, and there's a bunch of guys who are good all-around players. But I'm tired <laughs> of good all-around players. There you go. I'm I'm just so tired of of this. Here's a, of the guy that you take who who's your second line center of the future. Right, right. I don't care. I want a dude who is a cold blooded killer with a stick and a puck in his hand. Here's what Vardy wants. Vardy wants 72 goals, 28 assists, 100 points in 64 games with the U.S. National Under 18 team. Absolutely devastating numbers. Good and skater. I get that he's small. He's small. He's 5'7". He's a good skater. Okay. His edge work is great. He can – the main thing about his skating is that – it's not even a skating thing. It's an IQ thing is that from everything I've gathered, there's no one in this draft who can find the right space on the ice like mm -hmm. this kid. Whether he's receiving a pass, whether he's going to an area to shoot, there's no one who understands where to be to be a goal scorer close to Cole Caulfield in this draft, and that includes Kako, and that includes Jack Hughes. His shots, Vardy said he has a purest shot, but it's not just a wrist shot. It's not just a snapshot. He has a variety of weapons, a variety of ways uh, he, could, he could beat you. He's just, he's becoming a can't-miss kind of a player, which is insane to me to say uh the the obvious comparison i've seen which is kind of bullshit is like alex the yeah because he's yeah. small 
because he's small right. and he, he's stupid. Um, there is so there is some talk of like he could be like a boom or bust type of player. Uh, but at the closer we get to the draft, the more and more everyone's like, you cannot pass on this player if he if he falls to you, because the most recent list I saw had him at ranked number four already. Right. So it's Hughes, Kako, Byram, Caulfield. Right. So by the way, I was right. Patrick Kane did come through the National Development Program. Also, Austin Matthews, uh, Phil Kessel. Both the Kachuk brothers. Good players. Yeah. Um, Kirby Doc has, has – I know the Kings were looking at him, but he's fallen quite a bit from everything I've seen. And even Alex Turcotte on the uh, newest rankings is around the 10 mark. So there has been some movement there. But, yeah, man, I mean Cole Caulfield has just absolutely exploded. He, he, there was a point where people were like, man, I hope we can get him early in the second round. And mm-hmm. then, like, two months later, you would read, like, oh, whoever gets this kid in the 20s is going to get a steal. And now he's a top five pick. Yeah. And should the Kings have the chance to nab him, I hope they do. I hope they don't let this size bullshit worry them too much. I hope they don't – because you're at a point now, I think, for the Kings specifically in your team development, in your trajectory, where you need to take some kind of a risk – on a player you have to right. be like and this isn't even that much of a risk he had 72 freaking goals right so i think this is he's the, the highest goal scorer in the history of the u.s national program yes he's got more goals than alex ovechkin did in a tournament well, he tied so in the the 2019 under 18s he scored 14 goals in the tournament the only other player to do it is alex ovechkin right so there you Granted, go ovechkin i think did it with four less games but whatever sure like there's not going to be another ovechkin we don't want the next ovechkin we just want someone who can score a lot yeah. we don't need and that's the greatest scorer of our generation yeah exactly and that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying i want a guy i don't want these guys who are like his iq is great his body control and i want someone who's got one lethal skill set yeah. I feel like we've got a ton of guys who are going to be good all-around players somewhere between the middle six, okay, at some point or another. I want a guy who's just going to be a finisher. I can't remember the last Kings player that I've been able to be like, that dude's going to put a puck in no matter what. Like that, probably not. I mean, Jeff Carter is probably the closest. Had that, right. Closest to be like, he's going to score if he's within range. Uh, I can't remember anyone else. Robitaille, Palfi, we're going back now. Uh, but not too many. Alex Turka, like we talked about, is now around the 10 mark. So it's going to be interesting, man. It's really, I think, going to come down to what the number four pick is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Be- because it, it's, and- if, if Chicago is locked in on Byram, which is not a guarantee, of course. We know when right. it was going one and two, so... The draft, I think, really might start at four, as they say. And and would it shock you in any way if the Avalanche took Cole Caulfield? No. I mean, look at their team. Is he is he not just like a perfect Why, player no. to yeah. inject into their team? And with our luck, the Avalanche will take right. Cole Caulfield at four. Or with our luck, they won't and we'll take Kirby Doc <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Who's, look, probably a great player. 
but again, you read Kirby Doc's like draft or his scouting report. It's like six foot four student of the game, credited with one of the highest hockey IQs in the draft, which is great, very cool. But it doesn't say words like lethal and like deadly. <laughs> that's all we're looking yeah, for. That's that's all I want. I just want one pick, and I don't care if the rest of the picks are. Super safe, well-balanced, you know, okay, maybe better than okay prospects, but more than likely going to make the show. I'm fine with that. I want one pick that's going to be just exciting. And that's all I want. That's it. Simple request. I'm on the I'm on the Cole Caulfield train with you, buddy. Good. There is no doubt about it anymore. I mean... Trevor Zegras again. Trevor Zegras is a playmaker, which I, you know, I love me some playmakers. Guys who are elite passers. That's what that player is. He would be a very good consolation prize. But I think if I'm the Kings, the way the team is going, you just need that young, exciting player to just yeah. not only like add to your team, but reinvigorate your veterans. Like, to, for a veteran like Kopitar to be like, oh man, like I might have this on my wing. Yeah. You know, you got to get a little more pep in your step just by knowing stuff like that. So that's yeah. what I'm, I'm looking for excitement, baby. That's what I want. Excite me. Good. You and I are on the same train then. Yes. I'm um, all about it. Regarding the 22 pick, I don't really, I mean, it's going to be a crapshoot. It's hard to say. Anyone who's ranked between 15 and like 28 can go there. So, you know what's interesting is there's been a lot of discussion about uh, Spencer Knight, who's the U.S. National Development Team's uh, goalie, and yeah. and he's kind of he can go really anywhere. He, I think he's going to go middle of the pack. Yeah, I believe. I can't see the Kings taking a goalie. <laughs> you know what's funny? He, he <sighs> if he goes um, in the top fifteen, he would be the highest drafted goalie since. Since Jack Campbell in 2010. It's a little funny. Um, But I did have a crazy thought. What if the Kings actually move up? Mm -hmm. What if they were to utilize their first round pick and that early second round pick or something else? Uh If there's – because, again, all these players are pretty smushed together from 5 to 12. Like they could really go anywhere. But – it would be intriguing to me if there was someone in particular that the Kings thought that would be around that that level, but maybe not make it to 22, and they found a way to to move up to yeah. take that player and gave up their 22nd pick. Again, that's that's another move that I would like to see them do. I would like to see them be aggressive, and because really at this point, what are we talking about, right? Like, right. You you should be looking to hit some home runs with these first round picks. You should be looking to hit home runs with these first round picks that you have not been able to do so far. And this is going to be probably your best chance. You didn't get the pick you you thought you wanted to get. That's okay. Doesn't mean you can't keep doing what needs to be done to move up and take some more intriguing players. And I would be fine with that. I would be even fine if they if they treated their late first round pick and their second round pick to move up to like number twelve, number eleven, yeah, something no, like that. For sure, if you could snag two really good players and get aggressive and do it, man, you got to do it. 
right? It's what are you losing? What are you losing that in that setting? Yeah. So that would be those would be the things that I would hope for. I don't know if that'll happen because it just doesn't seem like something the Kings would do. But maybe this is the year that they decide to turn things on their ear. Also, I've heard things that the Kings might move down from five. I don't know if you've heard any of this, that it's like a possibility. I hope they yeah, don't. I hope they don't. A I little. Mean, because unless they're really enamored with a player and they're sure they could get him at like 10. I don't know, man. I, I If you if if they pass on Caulfield for whatever reason, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. I'm going to be pretty upset. Um, yeah. Because I know why they would do it, and it's strictly because he's five foot seven, and that would show me that we haven't evolved much. We haven't evolved much as a team, and the league hasn't evolved much as a league. If if multiple teams pass on him, do you think it would be the height thing, or do you think it would be the one dimensional just, thing? Not even that. Because he's just not. Like, I, no, but you know what I mean. Like the whole center over wing at all times kind of mentality. Uh, we're looking for guys who are going to be the next Kopitar mentality. See, that, to me, that's also shows a lack of evolution. Yeah. Because there, look, there's two ways people draft usually, or teams draft. It's like need versus best player available. I think when you're in the king's position and your needs are long list, which they are. Let's be honest here. They could use something everywhere. It's not like you look at the Kings roster of the future and you're like, man, if we just plug this one hole, you know, like if we just get a good player in this one spot, we'll be okay. The Kings have a lot of problems after this this wave of this cup team guys are starting to right. fade away. They're, they have, they're going to have a ton of issues to resolve. And if you can get best player available and it's him, I think you got to do it. I think yeah. you have to. Because to, yeah. to, to say at this point, you know what, is a center is what we need. To me, it's like based on what? Right. Based on what? Your foresight that, you know, what, maybe Gabe Velarde plays. Maybe, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough to tell. But that's what I would do. I Best player available. If he's there, I take him. Yeah. I'm right there with you, buddy. Yeah. Take him, boys. <laughs> All right? Cool. <laughs> that's been our draft preview guys i hope it was everything you thought it would be <laughs> basically you could, you could sum it up with two words cole caulfield that's what we want yeah. that's what we want we're cold-blooded that's right um Vardy, it's episode 41 it is indeed and as as per usual we like to close out most of our episodes with a little game mm-hmm, that we played mm-hmm. titled still to be determined of this game. <laughs> but it's basically uh, a test of my memory as a Kings fan, which is pretty good most of the time. Pretty good it, most it, of the time. It indeed it is. And sometimes so, it is terrible. <laughs> but it is always entertaining. Always. So episode 41 how many players do you think have worn the number 41 for the Kings? Okay. Um, I'm going to say five. Six. six close. Six. Close. Great. Close. Close. Once again, wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wishful mm-hmm. thinking on my part. How many of those players do you think have worn the number 41 for more than a single season? Two. Correct. 
and I know. I both think of you them. know those two. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Um, those two are Jason Allison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first all-around center. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that we. And Rytus Evanons. Indeed. So those two were the ones that jumped to me right away. That's um, right. Now the now, Latvian brick himself. That's right. This is where we dig deeper now, and I would like to know if Rytus Evanons was the last player to wear number forty-one. Negative. Oh, okay, okay. And I'm guessing the other two were before Jason Allison. The other three were before sorry, Jason Allison. Sorry, there three. were six. God yes. damn it, three. Yes. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> just goes to show you, no one felt right wearing the number 41 after Jason Allison until Rice's Evenons yes. came around and said, right. give me that shit. That's right. I, I feel like the le- the latest player to wear this number is one of these players that either just had a cup of coffee or started with that number and quickly ditched it for a better number. Closer to the first one. I see. I'll give you a, a yes, stronger I'm gonna hint. I'm going to need it. I'm going to need something. He is still sipping that coffee. Oh, it was a long cup mm-hmm. of Joe. Mm-hmm. Hmm. For the Kings, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> He's one of several players that many people felt should have gotten more coffee. <laughs> wow. This is not easy. But he's still with the Kings? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Jeez. Number 41. Such a bad number. We're in the bad number times. That's... Okay, so I'm going to lay my sword down for this one particular player. Okay. All right. Sheldon Remble. Ah, see? Yeah. I, you wouldn't... It's... it's if, if you gave me all the random guys who <laughs> played with the Kings this last season and you gave me all their jerseys with no nameplates on them and you gave me a bunch of nameplates and said, put these nameplates on the right jersey. I think that's what it is. I would burn all the jerseys and walk away. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'd I, be I, like, screw you, screw this game. It's not fair. And I would leave. Yeah. See, I don't think I was going to pull that one out anyway, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right. The three remaining. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the one that you had the best shot at. I am if not you pull, surprised. If you pull any one of these three, I will be Okay, here's what I'm going to need. Ridiculously Here's what I'm going to need, guys. I'm going to okay. need the years active. I got to help you hulk up, buddy. Years active with the LA Kings for the okay. following three, please. Uh, okay. Three players. Yes. Each had one year of rocking the number 41. Awesome. 1993. Oh. 1994. Oh, and the doldrum. Hold on, hold on. 92, 93? Um, or 93, 94? Right, this is important. <laughs> 92, 93 for okay. one of them. Okay. Um, and uh, 93, 94 for another one of them. Gotcha. However, this person played for the Kings with a different number for a couple of years prior to. God damn it. <laughs> it's just. Uh, okay. So 90, 92, 93 for one, 93, 94 for another, 
And the third and final one this is gonna be was, awesome. 90, was 96-97. The real, the real shit times. Good lord. Okay. The times where you would watch a game and really just forget that you were watching a game mid game. Okay, I have, I have, you gotta, I gotta ask one more question. Okay. The 92-93 guy. Mm-hmm. How many games did he play? I swear to God, if you say four, I'm going to be really pissed off. One. Oh, come on. It's <laughs> come impossible. On. Dude. One. It's impossible. It's impossible. Okay. Yeah, I quit. In fact, it's his only NHL game oh, ever played. On, the... Just give me his Sorry. name. Sorry. Just give me his goddamn name. His name is Brandy Samchuk. Yeah. And if you'd like to know how terrible the Kings drafting was in the early 90s, he was our second round pick, twenty eighth overall. Played a single NHL game. There you go, boys. Brandy Simchuk. Yeah, to be fair, in the nineties, the Kings didn't really care about the draft. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, don't know that one. Obviously, okay. ninety three, ninety four. Right. How many games played? So this guy has played five games across the course of three seasons. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's worse than Samchuk or whatever. It is. Uh, he's a goalie. Does hey, that help? No. I think 41 is a more acceptable goalie number than player number personally, but he's a terrible goalie based on these numbers. So five games. Yeah, I'm not going to get it, man. I'm not going to. I'm not. Sorry. Sorry, guys. David, I let you down today. Gavirdi? David Gav- Yes. Oh, my God. Holy- <laughs> David Gaverdi. <laughs> oh, crap. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't going to get you, it. Like, I'm going to give you full credit for that one because I didn't even come close to saying his last name. All I said was David. Yeah. And you, and you were just like, that guy? Gaverdi. I remember Gaverdi. I, I wouldn't have, for the life of me, guessed his number. The fact that you can even, <laughs> even remember him. Yeah, I remember David Gaverdi. five games. I do. It's sad. I'm a and sad were, man. <laughs> this is depressing. You were, mind you, you were 12 years old when this guy played. Those are the things I remember more clearly than Sheldon Rempel. People. You're, like, you're like, I can't remember the people at my 12th birthday party, but David Gaverdi in his five games when I was 12 years old. Great. So that um, leaves, But uh, yeah, he wore 43 for a couple seasons and then wore 41. Yeah. All right, big guy. I, I believe in you. Yeah. Uh. Okay. I believe that you can get this guy. 96-97. 96-97 because for a couple of reasons. One, he was actually in the NHL for a few years. Okay. Total journeyman. But he's been around for a few years. And played 18 games with the Kings in 96-97. Hmm. God, those are bad years. It actually was not like a straight-up punching bag. Like he had numbers? Is that what you're trying to Not like crazy numbers, but like he did things. He did stuff. All right. Um, stuff was done. Man, I just can't visual. Right now, guys, my eyes are closed. You guys can't see. And I'm <laughs> it's, just It's marvelous to see, guys. very like deep into my brain. Mm-hmm. And I am getting nothing. He's, he's going Miss Cleo here. Damn thing. All right. 
What if I do what I did in the last one? I just give you a first name. All right, let's try it. Brent. Brent Thompson. No. Ah, that was my best shot, guys. That was a good one. Uh, Brent Grieve. <laughs> <laughs> Brent Grieve. <laughs> Get out of here. Are you making this shit up? Oh. <laughs> no. Uh, Brent Grieve no. played 18 games for the Kings? Yes. He played 18 games for the Kings and had six points. Oh, my God. He played 18 uh, years for the Kings. He has 52 NHL – sorry, he has 97 NHL games to his name with five teams. All right. I didn't like this number. <laughs> I didn't like this number at all. Yeah. But they're yeah. amazing that it took, uh, let's see, 25 years for someone to wear the number 41 for the Kings. All right. Cool. Yeah. Cool, guys. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Two for but six. that being said – it's not not your best performance no but that's okay. two and a half for the david covered that's okay that's that's damn near all-star numbers if we're playing baseball here <laughs> that's right um i have more faith for episode 42 for you i think i think you're gonna do well i think so too um I already even though it's a even though it's a stupid number it's a stupid number as you <laughs> as you would describe Without a doubt. um but that being said this is episode 41 and this episode belongs in my heart and in my mind to one man and one man only, the Latvian brick house, right to see <laughs> I was worried you were going to say grieve. <laughs> no. I'm so glad. No. No. Um, Rightus. Right to see Man, he could fight. Man, I mean, he, he could throw down. He got knocked. He, I mean, unfortunately, I oh, think he man. got knocked out bad one of the games. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he, he hit, dealt with concussions like, forever. Right. I think his head at the ice too, if I remember correctly. But um, nicest guy. One of the one of the few players that like we actually in weird circumstances actually got to hang out with him. Yes. Do you remember hanging out with I do. <laughs> right as Evenons in Vegas? I do. I do, I do, I do. Is uh, this one uh turn- John Zeiler mm-hmm. and company were rolling around with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was a brief period of time, guys. <laughs> I can't even explain it. Where one of our friends who um, played junior hockey with John Zeiler got tight with John Zeiler. <laughs> this is like the opposite of name dropping. <laughs> and, this is like weirdo entourage. Yeah, and, and just like <laughs> we got to go sad entourage. We, we went to Las Vegas and we they were and Zeiler and company. <laughs> Which I believe at the time included Teddy Purcell, right as yes. yep, and possibly Kyle Quincy. Uh, I seem to remember, for whatever reason, Derek Armstrong also being there. I can't remember Army, but I remember those four specifically. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me just say, <laughs> those boys can party. <laughs> just, <laughs> in fact, there's a story about Evans at one of these parties where he he got drunk and just he had dentures. Right, right. His had dentures. Removed his dentures and went all night without his dentures, just talking to everyone. Fantastic. Uh, there's darker stories that we can't share. Right now. Uh, but yeah, right. It's even on this episode. I'm down with it. Friend of the show. <laughs> shout out to shout out to right. It's even on. Yeah. Uh, uh, a man whose hand could encircle my entire face if he wanted it to. Correct. Correct. Guys, that was 41. Next up is 42. It'll be after the draft. We will have Mm -hmm. much to talk about, I'm sure. Um, Thank you, guys, 
for joining us as always. We can't wait to do it again next time. You can follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to us on any device, any platform that hosts podcasts. The Bannerman Podcast is there. Drop us an email at thebannermanpod at gmail.com. Love getting those. Vardy gets especially excited. And you don't want to make Vardy sad. I love pen pals. There you go. See you guys next time. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.